Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Welcome to worship this morning. I'm glad you came. I'm glad that you've experienced the presence of God already because the Scripture says where two or more are gathered, He's there. So He's here this morning. I hope that your spirit has been open uh, to receive Him and to respond to Him. This morning's Scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John. Imagine that. We've been studying the Gospel of John, and through our Lenten series, we've been watching how uh, John has left the whole last half of his Gospel uh, for this last week of Jesus' life. And and we've talked about how it's revealing God's love. And so I I hope that you've been able to see that, that that you saw that when we went to Lazarus' tomb, that that, that you saw that when we went to the donkey pen, uh, that you saw that when we went to the upper room. And this morning, uh, we're going to go to the olive grove. And so I'd encourage you to read with me John chapter 18, the first 11 verses. When he had finished praying, Jesus left the disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and, he is dis- and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now I want to stop a minute, because you'll notice that the translators here have translated uh, Jesus' answer as, I am he. In the Greek, it actually simply reads, I am. That's going to be important for later on. Just tuck that away. Verse 7. And again, he asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am. He, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. So we have been walking with John through the season of Lent, and I hope that you've discovered that uh, this journey is not just a journey for Jesus back then, but it's a journey for us, a journey for us to remember his incredible love, to experience that love, and to be drawn in once again to that love. It's a journey of love, and I thought I saw someone behind me, sorry, must have been the ghost. Hey, by the way, sometimes people ask me, is there a ghost in this church? Uh, By the way, uh, lights will come on in the middle of the night. They do. 
People say, is there a ghost in this church? I want to I get this straight right away. There is a ghost in this church. It's called the Holy Ghost. Other than that, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Veronica hit him, would you? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, so we're headed through this journey, uh, and uh, we, we want to be open to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Ghost, as He begins uh, to speak to us, as we begin to, to experience. You know, the disciples went through it, and they didn't get it. I hope that as we go through it as His disciples, we begin to get it, begin to put it together. Um, so here we are uh, at uh, the, the garden, the olive grove. And I just want to say that words are very important, aren't they? Words are very important. We, we sometimes uh, try to downplay the importance of words. What was it? Sticks and stones shall break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. Okay, that's not true, right? <laughs> we teach that to our children, but that's not true. The fact is, words are cutting. We see that in our world today. Bullying has become this really um, incredible uh, force in our world, negative force in our world. As, as young people uh, get on the computer and say horrible things to each other, or on their phone, say horrible things to each other, should never be said. Uh, and those words are out, those, and those words hit you, and those words hurt. And unfortunately our presidential candidates don't get it. I'll just throw that out there. Unfortunately, Jesus' disciples don't get it. What you say has a powerful impact. The, the countdown timer this morning. Uh, here's a man who's blind. The sign says, I'm blind and and people are donating a little bit until the lady comes and changes the words on the sign. And those words change to, it's a beautiful day and I can't see. Same gist, but the words are different. This morning, my desire, we don't, we don't have a whole lot of time, so let's just cut to the chase. My desire is that you would consider your words because Jesus was very clear about his. What do your words say? How do you speak? We come here to this garden. If you, if you, uh, if you have a, uh, a different translation, it'll say the garden. Uh, the, the New International Version, the 1984 version, which is in your pew uh, says the word the olive grove uh, if you get the 2011 new international version they've changed it back to the garden same place just so you know it's the same place we often think of gardens as flowers and but but for those in palestine this olive grove was a garden a beautiful place 
And Jesus frequently went there with his disciples to teach them and to pray. And you know from the Synoptic Gospels, that, and that's the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that when Jesus goes to the garden, he prays to God. And that is clearly outlined in, in our scriptures in, in those Gospels. But in John, John wants you to know that Jesus said a whole lot more than is found in those other Gospels. And he, he gives you all that stuff, and you can read that during this no, when you get home, uh, chapters 14 through 17. See, he said quite a bit there. He was teaching them. He was praying with them. And his heart was broken. As a matter of fact, there's only one phrase in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, and Luke accounts um, that, that we hear of Jesus. And that's where Jesus prays, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Now that's in all the other Gospels. John shares with us the rest of that prayer, which I encourage you to read in chapter 17 when you get home. Because I want you to know, he prays for you. Did you know that? Jesus, while he was alive on this earth, prayed for you. That's how much he loves you. He's on his way to the cross to die for you, and he stops to pray for you. Because Jesus understood that words are very, very important. So in our, more, our passage this morning, I want you to focus in on the words. What is it that Jesus says? You can't go wrong if you stop and listen to what Jesus says. And I want you to see that his words are, first of all, very powerful. And we, we want to talk about the power of the word. When Jesus gets to the to the garden there, and he's prayed, and the, uh, the soldiers show up with Judas at their head. Um, Jesus says, who do you want? Uh, notice, Jesus initiates this whole thing. Jesus says, who do you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And I want to be very clear that Jesus stops and he says, I am. That's very important. He doesn't say, I am he, as it says here in the New International Version. He literally says, I am. You know why that's important? Because what he's saying is, my name is I am. Now, if you know the story in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is confronted by God, you remember that, at the burning bush? You probably heard the story at least. And God says to Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses comes up with a rack of excuses. And when God works down through all those excuses, Moses finally says, okay, here's one you can't answer. No, I'm paraphrasing now. He says, who should I tell him sent me? Who are you? This incredible being who is in the bush that's burning but not being consumed. Who are you? God says this, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. God takes upon himself the name I am. Now, now in the Hebrew, that's four, four letters. And they, the, the Jewish people call that the four holy letters. And I'm not going to say those because this is going on a podcast, and I don't want to offend any Jewish person who would happen to hear this message. 
But those four holy letters were assigned only to God. And I want you to notice something, that when Jesus says, I am, did you notice what happens? All those there fall away. Did you catch that? They bow down. Why do they do that? Because the power of the name of God, the power of the name of Jesus Christ, that comes out just simply by saying the name. You say, well, it's only a name. Yes, it is only a name. But behind that name stands the power of the Almighty God. When Jesus says, I am, they bow before Him. They can't stop it. They can't help it because of the power of the Almighty God. There is power in the name of Jesus. When He speaks His name, things happen. When you speak the name of Jesus, things happen. When you bow before God and bow before our Lord Jesus Christ and you pray to Him and you ask Him for something, He hears things start to happen. Did you know that? Powerful things begin to happen. Someday, the Scripture says that that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Someday... When Jesus comes again, every knee shall bow. Not some, not a few, not those who, only those who believe Him, but because of His power, just as in the garden, every knee will bow. Because that's how powerful Jesus is. And if He's in your life, you begin to speak His words. You begin to speak His name. You begin to see that there is power in that name. You remember the the disciples, Peter and John, were walking along, and there's a guy crying out. He's blind, or he's not blind, he's lame. And uh, he's asking them for money. And he says, and Peter says to them, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus, walk. And the man gets up and walks. You know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. If you were to speak Jesus in your life, when you face the difficulties of your life, if you were to speak the name of Jesus in that moment, I guarantee you that the power of Jesus' love will come upon you at that moment. Now, will that change the circumstance? Maybe not, but it'll change you. And in that, things will begin to change. Because when you speak His name, there's power in His name. Call upon Jesus. Speak His name. Most importantly, if you were to speak His name, you would experience the salvation of our God. Romans tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be saved, not could be saved, will be saved. One of the most exciting things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is if you call upon His name and ask Him to forgive you, the power of His forgiveness flows in you, and at that moment, you are saved, and you will be saved. When you die and meet the Almighty God face to face, and He says to you, what can you say for yourself? You know what name will be on your lips? The name of Jesus. And think about that. You're sitting in front of the Almighty Judge. 
and you stand there and you have nothing good to say because you have done nothing that's worthy of saying, hey, you belong in heaven. You say, well, I've done some good things, Pastor. You have. God requires perfection. What are you going to say? And for many, they'll have nothing to say. God will say, I never knew you. But for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, they'll mention his name and God's smile will get big and he'll say, that's my son. You know my son. Welcome. Come with me. You're forgiven. Come with me to my house. Can you imagine that? You see the power in the name of Jesus? It'll change your life. There's power in those words. Second of all, there's protection in the word. There's protection in the word. I, I want to be clear about something. Some, sometimes when you, when you watch some of these uh, movies about Jesus and, and you get towards this last week, and in particular when the soldiers come to arrest him, um, I, I, I happen to, to watch, uh, watch one of these this week, uh, just a section of it. And, and they had... Jesus is this meek and, and uh, almost scared person when the soldiers arrive. You've got to hear clearly John's Gospel. Because see, in John's Gospel, Jesus is in control. Did you catch that? Jesus is in control. Those soldiers mean they, they have no power whatsoever over Jesus. He mentions his name. They're on their faces. They, they have no power over him. Jesus is the Almighty God. He stands there, and what's he say next? First he tells them who he is. The next thing he says is, you're going to let my people go. Let these men go. If you want me, come take me, but let these men go. I give myself for these men, is what he's saying. I lay down my life. I'm willing to give my life so that they are protected, so that they are saved. And this is the whole gospel message, is it not? That Jesus, in his incredible love for you and me, was willing to give his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down willingly. He wanted to go to the cross for you and for me because He wanted us to be forgiven. Those other people are just uh, uh, characters, minor characters, hear me, minor characters in the story. Because Jesus' power is greater than theirs and His power was sent out to protect you and to protect me. This fulfilled exactly what Jesus had said, by the way, in the prayer earlier in chapter 17. Jesus says, let these men go. And in chapter 17, Jesus had asked God, He said, listen, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. That name that you gave me. You hear that? So that none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the Scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus Christ is in control in that garden. And in His control, He's offering to protect those He loves, those who followed Him, those who trusted Him. And the same is true today. Jesus 
works to protect you, to save you, to walk with you. Now, hear me very carefully, because sometimes we get this idea, and other people will tell you, well, what Jesus wants you to be is wealthy, healthy, and and have all the good things in this world. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said He came to protect you, not to protect you from physical ailment, not to protect you from from people who would laugh at you, not to protect you from from accidents in this world. He came to protect you from the evil one, the one, the spiritual one who would destroy your spirit. And he offers you that protection. And it's an incredible protection because when you believe in Jesus, you know that he is on your side. And the world can come against you. They can come with soldiers. They can come with anger. They can come with hatred. They can come at you. And you can stand there and say, but I am loved by the Almighty God. You come at me. Bring it on. Because he stands by my side. Do you experience that in your life? Or when the struggles come, are you quick to say, oh no, oh no. Sometimes I'm quick to say, oh no, I'm with you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I forget the power of the Word of God. Jesus came to protect us. And though the struggles and the trial of this world come, Jesus stands firm with us. Satan cannot defeat us. Cannot defeat us. I, I, I frequently hear believers talk about um, our, our walk with Christ, and they talk about spiritual warfare, which is very real. Happens every day, whether you recognize it or not, in your life, spiritual warfare is going on. Satan wants you, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus has you. Now, the reason I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about spiritual warfare is because if you understand Jesus has you, Satan's already defeated. And he can throw whatever he wants at you. You stand in him. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Satan cannot enter you. You cannot be demon-possessed if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I just want to throw that out there because I hear people say that sometimes. You cannot because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know why I went there. I wasn't planning on going there, but I just want you to know, Jesus came to protect you. He protects your soul. He's come to save you. And you can hang on to that. Trust Him in that. Lastly, I want you to see the the peace of the Word. Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. Peter, put your sword away, Jesus says. That's the last thing Jesus says in our passage. Put your sword away. Don't you understand I have to take this cup that the Lord has offered me? I just want you to hear that so often in our lives, our desire is to somehow do it ourselves. If I had enough strength, if I had enough of this, or if I had enough of that, if I had enough money, if I had enough influence, if I had enough of this, if I had enough of that, brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll never have enough. And you can try to fight your way through this life. I encourage you to put your sword down. Put your sword down. 
and start trusting Jesus to fight for you and find his peace? Our, our, our world, uh, have you ever seen the Blue Angels? They're awesome. I mean, they are just incredible. And, and our nation has one of the greatest military uh, in the world, if not the greatest military. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that it's the greatest. We have the most military power of the world. And yet, it's from within that our nation is in trouble, isn't it? It's from within. A number of uh, people gathered... Uh, to try to take over the, uh, the uh, national park or national refuge, ranch, whatever it was there out west. And uh, they holed up in there and they had all kinds of ammunition and all kinds of weapons um, to protect themselves. They needed that, they thought. They had a cause. They wanted their cause to be known. Um, Afterwards, if you know what their cause was, let me know. Because my guess is what most of you remember is, in the end, one of them died. And their guns couldn't protect them. But Jesus came and He said this, come in peace. He said, I offer you peace. I offer you a different type of power. He said, don't come by might or by power, but by the Spirit of the Almighty God living within you. And that Spirit goes around and loves people and it makes all the difference in the world. You don't believe me? Look at our, our nation itself. Our nation was transformed by love. And this is how it happened. You remember Dr. Martin Luther King, don't you? When he decided and his followers those who were actually followers of Jesus Christ, by the way, that's where they got all their information, they discovered that if they really wanted to change things, they had to love people. And that's what they did. So they walked down the street in love, and the government came against them with dogs and with guns. The government came against them with tear gas, Hatred, anger, and they walked towards them with love, and it changed our nation. Not totally yet, but it changed. It began a change in our nation. And you, brothers and sisters, are the ones to complete that change as you continue to love everybody. To love them, I mean, to really love them, because that's what changes our world. Now, when we began, I, I asked you to think about your words. Because I want to know if your words and my words are the words of Jesus. Is the power of His name on my lips? Is the power of His name on your lips? When you talk to people, would they recognize the name of Jesus in your life? Are words of protection on your lips? 
Words that encourage and uplift. Words that build up. Words that say, I want the best for you. You'll have a chance as soon as this service is over to talk to somebody. Unless you walk right out those doors as quickly as you can. Some of you may do that after this. But I challenge you to find somebody and speak words of the love of Christ into their life. Remind them that Jesus is protecting them. That Jesus cares for them. That Jesus died for them. Remind yourself, the Scripture says we're to build each other up, not knock each other down. How, how do your words come across? And lastly, how about words of peace instead of anger? How about words of peace instead of power? The power of this world? Speak the power of Jesus. Speak of His peace. Live in His peace. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, uh, thank You for our time together this morning. and Lord, we pray that You would speak to us and through us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come. Because we know He has power to change us and to change our world. And our world desperately needs You. So Lord, teach us to speak words. Words that, that exalt Your name. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that You would speak words to our hearts. Words of Your salvation. The words of Your forgiveness. Uh, Lord Jesus, if there's someone here that's never responded to your words of forgiveness, may, may this morning they say yes to you and decide to follow you to find your forgiveness, your salvation, your peace in their lives. Lord Jesus, help us to speak those words to a world that, that knows no forgiveness, no love. Speak, Lord, words of peace. May we be seen as people who speak words of peace, not words of hatred or anger, but words filled with your love. Speak, we pray, Lord Jesus. Speak in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.